0: Hang on there one second. Let's go ahead and take a minute to pay the bills. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had so many questions. How do I record an episode? Where do I find background music? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places that you like to listen to podcasts? Where do I find advertisers? The answer to every single one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100 free and 100 ridiculously easy to use. So if you're always wanted to start a podcast, go to Anchor.fm/start. That's Anchor.fm/start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's Anchor.fm/start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. The following podcast has not been rated. One and only. You're listening to Fullbacks Are People 2, The Fact. And here is your host, C.J. Newman. Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, The FAPT. i just want to go ahead and give you a little bit of a heads up here. Uh, I'm well aware by now uh, that Josh Jacobs has been signed by the Oakland Raiders to his rookie contract. When we recorded this, it was July the 7th. So at the time, he did not sign his rookie contract. So just making sure that you guys know I'm aware now. Uh, you don't have to go at me on Twitter and say, hey, dumbass, he's already signed. We're well aware. But um, I did not get a chance to upload the podcast till now. So hopefully you guys will enjoy this one. Uh, it was filmed. I'm sorry. It was uh, recorded in Dallas, Texas with uh, Bobby and Tyler Fornes. So without further ado, please go ahead and give this a listen. The fact is being recorded live here in Dallas, Texas this week, as I have been down here for the past uh, three days right now, uh, tomorrow it'll be four, uh, to see a New Japan Pro Wrestling event, which was uh, pretty damn awesome. So here live in the middle of uh, PFTP on Posse Accounts dining room, I have Bobby the Recliner QB. Bobby, how the hell are you?
1: I'm doing very well and you're actually in Richardson, Texas, not Dallas,
0: Texas. Okay, I apologize. Uh, That is correct. I should know with the amount of shit that I've had shipped to your house over the past couple of days. Yes. I should have your address memorized.
1: You stink like shit because you have not had any clothes since your luggage was lost by Spirit Airlines.
0: Yes, Spirit Airlines can suck my nads. I am really super duper pissed off with them because they have lost my luggage and they have not found it yet, which has my medication in it, which is making me a little on edge. So uh, I also have here uh man of the hour, Mister uh, Tyler Fornest. Tyler, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, oh, I,
2: I had the best day of my life
0: yesterday, drinking beer and watching New Japan. I was I was watching. Well, I was waiting for it, man. Um, we got uh, we were pretty damn fortunate to be upgraded to the sweet seats yesterday, thanks to your affiliation with some guys in the podcast industry.
2: Yeah, uh, it's always going to be about who you know and not what you know, and uh, being one of the two people to set up the meet and greet uh, meetup for the uh, Super J cast, uh, one of my all time favorite podcasts, we met about 40 people um, who flew down to Dallas, Texas for the event, um, chatted wrestling for a while, drank a bunch of beer. One of them had a bunch of extra suite tickets because this company has a suite at American Airlines Center. It's like does anybody want him? Like, well, if you don't have anybody to go with you, I got a group of four. You know, definitely would be interested. Gave him to us. Uh, Brian was an absolutely fantastic guy. Uh, we got to uh, hang out with a couple members of the wrestling media in the suite watching the show, and it was just everything I ever wanted it to be and more
1: we had a great view we had great free food and great free drinks so it was an awesome experience
0: yeah it was definitely a great time it was uh i, I drank so much wine last night i drank a lot of beer the uh, blood and honey is actually a very good uh, thing I, i've been enjoying that here in texas the past couple of nights still got a six of that in the fridge you got like three left a lot of local breweries here yeah, can't complain. Can't complain about that at all. The uh, the beer has been good. Uh, t- hell, we had what a burger for the first time uh, ever. Me and Tyler did. Uh, that was a quite an experience. I got the uh, bacon cheeseburger with a chicken taquito and you got the sausage taquito with the bacon and cheeseburger um it ruled yeah it was everything i wanted and more and i think uh, at some point either tonight or tomorrow morning we're going to head up to uh in and out and check that out as well we had our first experience at a neighborhood walmart never seen that before um we know what walmart is obviously across the nation but we've never heard of a neighborhood market walmart so.
1: and i am surprised that either one of them remember going to water or eating it last night
0: Ah, shit, man.
2: I may have had almost twenty drinks throughout the entire day, but I don't black out. I remember everything,
0: especially uh, CJ is striking out with a really cute lesbian. Oh yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. The uh, <laughs> we uh, met up with the, uh two ladies who work in the flight attendant industry. Um, they one of them was a uh, lesbian, and the other one has agreed to uh, have dinner with me when she flies out to Maryland. So fuck you, I did not strike out. No, you, you struck out with the hot lesbian. There's no i didn't try and (laughs) she thought you were gay too we'll we'll see what happens she thought
2: my fiance was cute
0: so there's that yeah and she thought you were gay just saying all right guys enough uh pandering we've already been talking for four minutes and we haven't talked a damn thing about football so uh what do you think about uh talking about some nfl even though it's a slow time right now um first thing we want to talk about since we have uh since we're in the middle of um richardson which is outside of dallas let's talk about uh, randy gregory he's looking to uh, be reinstated by the nfl he officially filed his paperwork last week and hopes to rejoin the cowboys uh, by training camp uh their training camp is uh, held in oxnard california if i'm not mistaken correct and uh just wondering do you think randy is going to be able to keep it together this long do you think they're going to reinstate him do you think that he can stay with the nfl this time and actually comply with the policies of the drug testing um I don't know if we'll have to comply with
1: the policies because I do believe that the NFL has subtly and behind the scenes changed their policy when it comes to the drug issue, uh especially when it comes to, you know, the marijuana or medical marijuana and sitting in my house you can probably tell by some of the smells you're smelling that i'm a proponent of medical marijuana so i fully support him with that but i do believe because of stuff that jerry has said and the position he is taking with current cba talks that randy gregory will be reinstated by training camp and just like josh gordon martavius bryant they will continue to work with him to make sure that he is taking care of the issues that are uh, plaguing him
0: are your thoughts
2: at the end of the day we all know that addiction is a disease whether um gregor is addicted or he's using it strictly for medicinal purposes Mm -hmm. um but let's also look at the flip side it's against the rules he knows it's against the rules and he keeps breaking the rules until they change the rules to make it legal he's got to try and figure out a different way or he needs to be smart, like every other player. And once he gets tested, then he's f- he's got free reign. And it, it it's it it's unfortunate sucks. that the the rules are set up the way they are because yeah. I don't be- believe they should be. But when you know the rules and you break them, I really don't have a lot of sympathy for you. He's got to figure it out.
1: But when a guy has <clears throat> documented mental health problems that the pharmaceuticals that they take really, you know, fuck him up, for lack of a better word, in a way that he can't be a functional athlete while he can use some cannabis and still be functional, then, you know, I understand. I mean, yes, he is putting his career at risk, but I would rather him take care of his, his life and his mental health and hope that the NFL becomes a little bit more tolerant and uh, open-minded to it.
0: I agree with that stance 100%. Um, the CBA is actually coming up within the next month. They're at least going to be uh, discussing it. So the NFLPA is going to be meeting up with the NFL. So I'm curious, uh, do you think this is going to be on the table? Do you think this is going to be a big deal to them? Do, do you guys think that uh, the NFLPA is going to be pushing for uh, marijuana to be looked at differently in the rules? I Personally, I think that the NFL, the owner side
1: of the CBA argument, I believe that they're going to push for, hey, you give up something major to you, and we will give up putting marijuana on the list because they know so many players, you know, use it and you know are proponents of it. However, I don't think that the players will go for that because, like Tyler just said, it is a very easy test to pass. It's a very easy bar, um, you know, to be above for ninety eight, five, whatever, very large percentage of NFL players. So I don't think that the majority of them will give that up for the few that whether they legitimately need it or legitimately just can't not have it or not go without it. I don't think they will or should give up something of a major bargaining
0: chip. It's hard to concede uh, to the NFL those kind of things that they're looking for because what is the NFL going to actually want? You have to think about that they're going to want, in, in my opinion, the number one thing they're looking at is uh, two more games added on to the regular season. Exactly. So, do you think that's a fair trade off?
1: No, no, not only either. Not enough players are uh, affected by it negatively, and it's so easy to, to get around. And the fact that the national mood or stigma uh, attitude towards it is changing to where it's likely to be federally legal sooner rather than later. So why give up something that's going to cost them real dollars when most likely when it federally changes sooner rather than later, then it won't matter and, and they won't be able to ban them from using it.
0: Well, that's not necessarily the case. Um, you, an employer can ban you from doing whatever they want. So as long as it's in their bylaws and you agree to those bylaws. But like it's once, still- the,
1: but once the, the, the federal laws change and the attitude in the country, which has already started to change, I think you've seen that with Josh Gordon mm-hmm. and Martegas Bryant being given the leniency that they've been given when they have the documented marijuana problems. I believe that the league will buckle because we all know that the league does nothing unless it's good for PR. They punished Zeke Elliott because they thought it was good for PR. They are going to make their decision on Tyreek Hill based on PR. That's the only thing that they care about is what looks good or bad for them. And and I think as the national attitude changes and they'll end up having, they'll end up being forced to change with, with pressures from other sports leagues as well as the general public.
0: Well, it's going to be pretty interesting over the next couple weeks to see where that's going to be going. So uh, my thoughts on this are uh, if they're going to allow Randy Gregory back in, I think it's time. And I don't know what his shape is. I don't know what his uh, personality is like right now. I don't know where he is mentally. Uh, Justin Blackman, I think it's time for him to try again. And what do you think about that, Tyler? I don't think he's going to try again. I think it's too far gone. It's not one of those
2: things where he's been out of the league for a year or two He's been out for five. It's been quite a while. And I think it's unfortunate because he had so many issues. But a lot of those issues were with the law and drunken driving, not just uh, the marijuana aspect. I think he's just too far gone. And it's unfortunate because he was a top five pick for a reason. He had a lot Mm -hmm. of talent.
0: Yeah, he was great in my fantasy team back when I had him.
1: Mm -hmm. It's funny you bring him up because he has a local tie into the area you're in to where one of my kids <clears throat> uh, good friends was um, an associate in a way of Justin Blackman and Justin Blackman had a lot more issues than just marijuana. He was into a lot worse of worse stuff and his major transgressions were beyond that. And like Tyler said, also with drinking, driving and and other you know, law you know, breaking or, or major violations. But he was a guy that if the NFL would have had a different attitude or something now where they they try to help people more than just discipline them, then I think he might have had a different outcome.
0: I agree with that. I think it's, uh, it's a damn shame that Justin Blackman went down the road that he did. It, it wasn't just the marijuana, as Tyler had stated. He had uh, the drinking and driving mm-hmm. issues. But at the same time, I feel like the NFL could have did more to help him and uh, there that was just a transcendent talent, in my opinion. Like I said, with my fantasy team, yeah. I I had quite a year with him. So I was very disappointed when I heard that he was suspended and then suspended again and suspended forever. So it's a little frustrating. But what are you going to do? Uh, the, the rules are the rules. You have to comply. And um, if you don't ever get popped, you're only tested once a year. Yep. And the opening time for that is around 420. It, ironically.
1: Uh, 420 is a day and it ends either I, th- I think the date ends when the preseason starts and or training camp ends. It's right around then. So as long as you can stay clean between 4:20 and right around the end of training camp, then you're gravy and as long as you don't get busted by the law or have it fall out of your bag at an airport or something, you know, then you're good when it comes to the NFL. But on the flip side, if you use it medicinally, then you shouldn't necessarily have to go without it for multiple months and be forced to use you know pharmaceutical opioids but you know it is the way it is
0: it damn sure is and it's a damn shame so um let's uh stay back on a t- uh, topic with the dallas cowboys because there's one more story that's happened recently and i'm gonna let you attest to this because i don't know too much about it um josh brent the guy who was uh formerly A player of the Dallas Cowboys Mm -hmm. uh, committed manslaughter with uh, one of his teammates. Jerry um, Brown. Yes. uh, Drinking and driving.
1: His best friend and and self-proclaimed. And even the mother of Jerry Brown said his brother.
0: Yes. So this guy has a warrant for his arrest. And I'm going to let you take it from here and see if you've got any details you want to share with us.
1: So um, he essentially violated his parole. And I, I want to say that he was... He was spotted or, or seen drinking or was somehow caught drinking, which violated this parole for a good reason because he rolled his car at a high rate of speed and, and killed his, you know, quote unquote, brother and teammate. Um He's actually a scout now in the scouting department with the Cowboys. He is a really, really great guy, a humble guy. Obviously, he's made mistakes. He's paid, you know, ultimately a, a huge price, but... Um, I I really hope that this latest transgression is fairly minor and he's able to overcome it because he, he really, he really is. He's not a bad guy. He's not, he's not a, he's not a bad dude. So, uh, uh, he's soft spoken. He's sincere. He does a lot to try and help the community out. So, you know, I hope he's able to get back to, uh, scouting
0: it's a damn shame i mean you got to live with what you did for the rest of your life yeah so it's very unfortunate and now the guy has violated his parole he's gonna probably be going to jail for a little bit i'm not sure how he, long he probably will so um we're gonna see where that goes do you have any opinions on that tyler you want to share with us
2: not really the whole situation is just unfortunate and i hope he gets everything figured out and moves on and becomes a better man
0: yes i, I agree with that 100 i hope that uh he He comes overcomes all of his obstacles in life and can live with himself. I personally wouldn't be able to live with it if I knew that. It'd be hard. Yeah, it would uh, be an awful thing to have to go through. But um, let's go ahead and uh, talk about other topics in the NFL. Is anything going on with the Minnesota Vikings? I haven't seen any news lately. Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, Kyle Rudolph uh, got that contract extension, which is basically just a
2: two year deal. And Mm -hmm. it's structured in a way to give the Vikings flexibility. If and when he falls off a cliff, or Ersmith Jr. Um, provides that punch, which is what we're kind of paying Kyle Rudolph for, mm-hmm. and with how much talent we have locked in right now, we have a really, really good two-year window. Uh, but then again, we kind of had a window for the last three years, and
1: and but we need a window though. You've got so much money tied up in the starters. Aren't aren't you so susceptible to an injury to a major starter, a major position group, and you're essentially screwed?
2: Yes and no, because one thing that the Vikings have done really, really well is they've done a great job with um, the back half of the draft and Mm -hmm. uh, um, undrafted free agents finding those backup guys. I mean, uh, two of our big stars, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, went undrafted and drafted in the fifth round, and now they're both making – an average annual value of like $14 million a year. But we're finding these guys. Uh, Steven Weatherly, defensive end, played really well last year um, when Everson Griffin went out with his mental issues. Mm-hmm. He had six and a half sacks. We've got a couple linebackers. Ben and fourth-round pick, um, highest gr- PFF grade of uh, any Vikings player not named Anthony Harris. And he was an undrafted free agent as well. And he's making a couple million dollars a year.
1: Are y'all, are these recent guys? Because I know you're, you're saying Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen. I'll fully admit the last two guys you mentioned, I don't really know, but Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen were years ago. Are y'all still stocking the cabinet or restocking it per se in the most recent drafts?
0: Uh, one thing i can say is uh rick spielman has done a great job as far as depth at the cornerback position i will speak to that I, he is a knack for defensive backs and he's really built that cabinet up and i think honestly that he should start looking into trading some of that depth and getting a few more pieces to the puzzle
2: in this nfl you want to have that depth because mm-hmm. you want to be able to have four cornerbacks go out on the field and you trust them to guard anybody on the field and right now the vikings have that Uh, With Hughes coming back, if he comes back 100% from that ACL Mm he suffered last year against the Cardinals, you've got Rhodes, who is really, really good. Uh, You could argue him as a top five corner in the NFL. Trey Waynes has uh, kept developing at a very high level, Mm -hmm. and he is, uh, in some people's minds, uh, in Viking circles, is better than uh, Xavier Rhodes. And then you also have Mackenzie Alexander who uh, really took a big step uh, last year. And, and Zimmer has just been working with all these guys to make him better. We also have Holton Hill, who would have been a first or second round pick in last year's draft, but he kept getting in trouble with marijuana and he got kicked off of the Texas team. And he, pl- lettuce. Yep, he played very well last year. Uh, and there was a lot of talk that we might trade Trey Waynes this off season. Get a second round pick, be able to um, keep that young core mm-hmm. um, and be able to replenish, like what you said, Bobby, the backups and stuff. So if somebody gets hurt, we're not SOL. And they've done a really good job of finding these role players who can step in and play good minutes. And they can uh, not necessarily play at an all pro level or Pro Bowl level, but they're going to be capable. And at this point, you want your backups to be capable and now, especially on the defensive side of the football, they really haven't missed too much of a beat when these young guys who are on draft in the back True. end of the draft come in. And that's that's the big thing.
0: So another thing I found interesting um, in recent years, I, I've learned this. Why don't you tell the fans who the uh, defensive back coach is for your team? Full
1: disclosure, Rick Spielman is a distant relative of mine. Slightly not like second cousin.
2: Was it, like third cousin five times removed?
1: Hey, I am from Arkansas. It's not that far of a tree. It doesn't <laughs> branch that much. That's fair.
2: Um, the uh, defensive backs coach, I, I believe, is Jerry Gray. No. Terrence Newman. No, he's not the defensive backs coach. He's an assistant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the, the nickel slash defensive backs coach, according to his page. Oh, okay, but he's he's not the defensive backs coach. That's Jerry Gray. He's an assistant to Jerry Gray. Full but- disclosure, of a Terrence Newman
1: jersey in my closet.
2: Yeah, um, I remember in that that draft, I really wanted the Vikings to get Newman, but they got Kevin Casey Williams eight, instead, 11. and I was very happy with the Kevin Williams Vikings. But the
1: crazy, oh, uh, like, time out a little quick. Sorry, crazy thing is, Terrence Newman was a guy that Cowboys were told they drafted him in the first round. He's quote unquote too old to draft because he was twenty three. Like I won't say he's older than that when he was drafted, but he ended up outlasting like everybody else with how long he played and he was injured a lot with his cowboy career but over the course of his vikings and Bengals career he was not injured that much and played extremely well one of my favorite players of all time sorry i love terrence newman
2: terrence newman is fantastic yeah, and he him. does a really good job uh love coaching these guys and mm-hmm. he was basically an on-field coach with the Vikings when he was playing, yeah, you can obviously tell that his skills were diminishing. Yeah, the guy was in his early forties when he retired. He did lose a step or two, but he was so much smarter than yeah. everybody else. He was able to time things and he was able to read things faster than everyone else in the field. So he was able to overcompensate yeah. with that and uh, his knowledge and his skill set being able to help out the young corners on the Vikings is only going to make the team better. Um, And he can eventually, I believe, be a defensive coordinator in the league if you give him five, six years.
1: And most people don't, or maybe most people don't, some people don't realize or know that Terrence Newman was a world-class Olympic level sprinter when he was at K-State when he was younger in his years. That was one of the reasons why people said he was always injured was because he had the fast switch muscles that would allow him to run you know track meet races occasionally but not you know week in and week out in the nfl but he was a world-class level uh, olympic sprinter
0: yes he was quite an athlete and i'm glad that he's uh, landed a job i was pretty surprised Lovely that guy. he actually went with uh, the vikings as opposed to like the cowboys where he started his career it's because all zimmer
1: zimmer mike zimmer he started his career with the cowboys Mike Zimmer was a defensive coordinator with Bill Parcells at the time. Bill Parcells kept Zimmer because he thought he was a great defensive mind, even though Mike Zimmer had only run a 4-3 defense at that time. Mike Zimmer was given a crash course and became a master in even a 3-4 defense under Bill Parcells in Dallas. That was – Mike, I was so pissed when we hired Wade Phillips over North Turner and especially Mike Zimmer. I've been a massive Mike Zimmer fan for Years, decades.
2: Just ask Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders would uh give uh, his left nut and his left leg uh if it meant helping
0: out Mike Zimmer.
1: Mike zimmer Zimmer's a great, great fucking defensive mind and coach. I, I love the guy.
0: Speaking of giving limbs, I'd like to take this opportunity to wish the uh family of the defo- defensive uh tackle from the uh, Miami Dolphins. I'd like to wish them well. And uh it really sucks because this guy uh was recently put in an accident and he lost his arm. Uh, it had to be amputated on the scene. So uh really feel bad for that guy. And it's one of the tragedies that happens every so often. And I feel really bad for anybody that has to go through that kind of thing. So the guy's career is obviously going to be over. You can't play with one arm. So I feel really bad for him. And uh, that's really all I got to say about that. But um just wanted to bring that to your guys's attention. Just in case you didn't know, we try sure. to bring the news. So um, that's one of the huge things going on. All right, on to I've happier. almost
1: lost both of my arms, actually. Go on. I, I almost lost my right arm in my four-wheeler accident from the elbow down. Mm-hmm. And I almost lost my left arm when I tried to cut it off because of the staph infection in the bone. And while I don't know what it's like to lose an arm, I know what it was like to be told you might lose an arm. And I can only yeah i feel so bad i mean kendrick norton i hope you you've already shown you've got a sense of humor with it but do yeah you'll do great
0: yeah really sucks um Let's let's get on the happier
2: things. Um. I, before we move on, um, one of the coolest things that I've seen as far as a sack celebration, I remember uh, when Kendrick Norton was a member of the Miami Hurricanes, uh, he sacked Florida, the Florida State QB and he picked up a, a leg of a Florida State player, and just started playing guitar with it. <laughs> and that was uh, one of the coolest gifts I've ever seen. And, you know, it's it, like you said, it's always good to remain positive. And the fact that he was uh, he's that kind of person that would be able to have that kind of creativity and just fun. I hope he's able to channel that and be able to move on with a very positive uh, rest of his life the and reason, a, uh, career in general.
1: The reason why I know he'll be OK is there is a report. You know, I'm sure I'm, I'm always positive I saw it on PFT, but a report that afterwards he was texting former Hurricane teammates, one of them, and said, hey, man, before you come see me, can you bring me my watch? And if you don't know the story, the paramedic surgeons, they had to amputate his left arm on scene. So telling his teammates to bring him his watch is obviously ironic and funny. And the fact that he has that sense of humor you know, within hours of waking up and realizing you lost an arm that just shows that, that the dude, he's going to be all right. He's going to make it. He'll, he'll do. He's, he's got the right mindset.
0: It's just a damn shame. And um, I'm really hoping that he can do something in the NFL post, uh, his career now. Hopefully he can be a scout or a talent agent or even a coach. It'll be really nice.
1: And if you're driving, don't cut anybody off.
0: Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. That's
1: what happened to him. Somebody yeah. cut him off.
0: Hmm. All right, so uh, somebody isn't happy in the NFL right now, and I'm not sure why. Uh, Maybe you guys know a little bit about it. Josh Jacobs, the first-round draft pick of the Oakland Raiders, soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders, uh, has not signed his contract yet. I'm sure it has something to do with the uh, way that the contract is set up, whether he gets his bonus money right away or if he gets it in the future. Something is not sitting well with him, and I'm not sure what it is. What do you guys think?
1: Well, we all know that there's not a whole lot to negotiate when it comes to rookie contracts that basically the only thing comes down to the timing of cash flow or whatever and we also know that the Raiders traded Khalil Mack and maybe Amari Cooper because of cash flow problems so is this a reflection of that or are, are they just holding firm because of he's in that spot where that draft pick, where the the terms kind of change in the first round. Where there's a few areas where it does, where stuff cash flow is guaranteed and the timing and whatnot. So you know, what is it? Are the are the Raiders cash poor, and they're having a hard time funding it fully, or are they holding themselves up or, or sticking up for the owners in general and trying to hold firm to the you know to, to making sure that they get their piece of you know, the rookie wage scale contracts and, and what you can negotiate on.
2: Yeah, it's, I'll say this. I think Jacobs is doing the right thing, trying to hold out for the full guarantee. Um, and I think one thing that also needs to be looked at is the fact that uh, the only the f- top 20 picks have guaranteed contracts. Mm-hmm. So, Technically, they don't have to pay him full guarantees. Uh, and especially because, like Bobby said, there's a good chance they might be cash poor. And it, it is the Raiders. Um, they aren't exactly what you would call stable, st- stable and uh, super wealthy. Like you have Robert Kraft. Uh, he's got a lot of money coming in outside of the Patriots. You've got Jerry Jones. Same thing outside the Cowboys. Um, Shad Khan uh owns uh a football club in europe and he also um his son now also uh, owns aew wrestling so like there are all these guys that have so many outside interests
1: jim ursay he owns like a hundred million dollars of dead musicians instruments
2: <laughs> hey that, that's a that's hey, a fun little and it's like what does mark davis have a, a bad Raiders. haircut.
1: Oh, a great bowl
2: cut. Great bowl cut. But he doesn't exactly have a lot of outside income, which yeah. makes him cash poor. Which is also one of the reasons why they traded Khalil Mack and why they moved him to Las Vegas. Yep. Um, I think it's good for Jacobs, especially at a position like running back, where it does have a shorter lifespan. Although he only had 300 touches in college, for which for a mm-hmm. first round pick is insanely low. Uh, like guys like, uh, Ron Dane, Ricky Williams, um, from 20 years ago, they were coming into the NFL with like 1400 touches,
1: 300 carries plus a year. So, mm-hmm. so, so tell me this, you know, you do scouting, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're looking or working into that. Does Josh Jacobs, is he, does he have any advantage because he has such less wear and tear? Because he didn't have that many carries, or is he at a disadvantage because of that inexperience?
2: Where Where do you lie on that scale? Uh the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> it, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. He's yeah. he has less wear and tear but he's got elite traits. Um, he's not uh, one of those guys who's just going to blow you away with 40 yard speed, mm-hmm. but the guy's elusive in open field. He's got great vision. He can, he's a football runner, not a track runner.
1: How often is he going to run 40 yards in a straight line anyways? Exactly.
2: Um, and I think that's one thing that like, if you run a four, eight, 40, like Elijah Holyfield did, yeah. you know, that's a red flag. If you run a 5 40, I don't think it should be held against you because it, All you need is to be able to burst through the hole. And a lot of guys have elite level quickness, Mm -hmm. where and they don't have top level speed. So,
1: do you would you agree that the 10 yard splits are more important than a 40 yard dash? Because, personally, like, don't get me wrong, I love to look at the 40 yard dash times. We all love to compare it across, you know, times, eras, you know, the little fucking ghost transparent things that NFL Network runs. But when I'm actually evaluating a player, I look at the ten yard splits so much more on almost any position, you know, than I do a
2: forty yard dash time. Uh, no, the splits absolutely make a bigger difference, especially when you're talking about defensive linemen. Yeah, uh, that ten yard split makes a really big difference because honestly, they're usually only going to run about five to ten yards.
1: They're never going to yeah oh, run um, that
2: elite level quickness especially at the running back position, it means way more than top end speed. Uh, 100%. Yeah. So uh, Jacobs has the ability to um, burst through the hole. He also um, has less touches, which means he has way less wear and tear, but yep. it also means less experience. And because mm-hmm. he has less experience, um, it may hurt him initially, but long-term I think he's going to be way better off than say a David Montgomery. Um, who I loved coming out of yep. Iowa State, he's a do it all back, but he also was a little bit of a bell cow, mm-hmm. had a lot more touches. And when it, you just think long term, I would probably rather have Jacobs,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and besides with Jacobs holding out for the money, for people that don't know, yeah, he was the what number 24, number 25 overall pick. But he's also selling the movie rights to his story because if you don't know his story, uh I'm not gonna go into it, but I urge you to just, you know, Wikipedia, Josh Jacobs, watch. I'm sure there's an ESPN special on him or something, but he was a he has a great, great story coming from a super hard background and making it to where he did. So, you know, there's some move rights to his name so he can hold out for the cash anyways from the Raiders.
0: Another thought I I had about this whole holdout. uh, I've seen it in the past with uh, Joey Bosa and I've seen it with Mm -hmm. uh, a couple other people. Do you guys think there's a possibility he's holding out because of the offset language?
2: Especially because he's a running back and they can be interchangeable relatively easy unless you have what some would consider a generational type running back. Like I remember seeing a video package of Adrian Peterson uh just last week and i'm like you never take a running back in the mm-hmm. nfl draft first round unless it's ap you mm-hmm. take ap every time or yeah. saquon he, he's uh, the jury's fall out on saquon although he's trending absolutely in that like direction it. yeah um unless you have a generational type running back yep. you it's so easy that just uh replacement value if you have guy like let's say zeke in round mm-hmm. one it and then kareem hunt came in round three performed better than Zeke. If you just judge on talent alone and you, and there's no off field issues, you taking cream Hunt and round three over Zeke in, at Absolutely. pick number four. And that's where the issue comes in. Now, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Adrian Peterson, three of the most generational running backs of all time. Those are guys you take probably at number one because they have that kind of talent and that kind of impact on your team. Is Josh Jacobs going to have that? We don't know. So likely is no. And that's why I don't ever take a running back around one. He needs to take care of himself and with the offset language, make sure he gets his and i give
0: him all the credit in the world for continuing to fight for it yeah so the offset language i bring this up because uh, for those of you that don't know out there uh, with offset language there's a possibility that someone can get royally screwed when it comes to their contract if they were to be suspended for the most minor of things a typical contract uh, has no offset language or has offset language that says your guarantees can be voided at that point a lot of players are fighting this and trying to get the offset language removed so that they can uh have the Uh, fully guaranteed money just in case they're suspended for the most stupid of things. Hold on, CJ. I don't think that that's the offset
2: language that we're talking about here. I think what we're talking about here is what Joey Bosa is fighting against. Double dipping. Double dipping. That as well. If uh, you you have a four-year fully guaranteed deal, Josh Jacobs gets cut, and he's still owed $4 million on a guaranteed deal. When he goes and signs with another team, um, he wants to be able to collect the rest of that contract
0: with the Mm -hmm. Raiders. And his new contract, and that's what that offset language is. Yes, but there's also the offset language I'm speaking of, and both are relatively equal in my opinion. I would, wouldn't would want to lose my money regardless, and I'd want to be able to double dip. But uh, look at Leonard Fournette's situation uh, down in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. He's just recently got his uh, guarantees voided, and it really sucks to be him because if he gets uh, – If somebody just wakes up one morning and says, I'm not a big Fournette fan, he's going to lose all of his money. He's not going to have any guaranteed money going forward. So that's something I'd fight for with my contract and may very well might be something that Josh Jacobs is doing. But uh, you guys have got a great point. I think that uh, the other offset language issue is something that they need to consider as well.
1: Either one, both of them.
0: Just as it, it
1: all comes down to players' rights. And and I understand the fan sentiment, which is we all root for the jersey, the logo, the colors. But at the same time, I'm a, I'm a very big players advocate. And I'm always pushing for stuff that's pro-player because I'm more of – I know the players are millionaires, a lot of them, not even most of them. Some of them are. But I prefer to try and support the millionaires versus the billionaires. So I'm always looking for something positive for the players. And when they do get the smallest chance of positive or offset language in their advantage, I'm always going to push for that because I'm always pushing for them to get, you know, to to to
0: come out on top. It's amazing how much the running back position just over the past couple of years has really diminished as far as the value of the NFL team. And I understand what you guys are saying as far as holding back and picking a uh, player in like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. But um, it's just amazing that it, back in the day, defensive tackles and running backs were number one picks in the NFL.
1: But are you, are you seeing that change now? We had a few years ago, there weren't or there was barely one or no first round running backs. Now you had Fournette, Zeke, Saquon, all picked in the top five. You Todd Gurley, well, he was top 10.
2: Melvin Gordon at 15.
1: You're starting to see a lot more of these running backs that are getting picked high, and the league is starting to shift. Look, we all know the Patriots are always ahead of the curve. The the Patriots are starting to use a fullback and and running backs and going to that. We're going to see the rest of the league switch to that. So I think that you might see the running back market start to change a little bit. And Gurley started that process, but he also kind of fucked it up because he's, his knees jacked. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, the Rams fucked up. They paid a the running back big money they shouldn't have because his knees screwed up. But now you got Zeke trying to get big money, or, or will be. Saquon barkley is trying to get big money, most likely. You're starting to see the market turn around. I think running backs are going gonna to start seeing more value applied to them in the, in the coming years.
0: I agree with that, but I don't think we're ever going to see a situation where we're going to see multiple running backs again in the first round ever again, like they used to be.
2: I think you will if the I, talent class is good enough, and that's where it comes into play. Just you like quarterbacks. Yeah. You don't have young uh, athletes who dream of being a star running back. They want to be a receiver. Mm-hmm. They want to be a quarterback. quarterback. They want to be a qu- quarterback. These kids back in like the si- 60s, 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s, everybody wanted to play running back because yeah. it was a glorified position in the NFL. Like Even into the late 90s, you had Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, Jerome Bettis, the household names.
1: Early down. 2000s, Jamal Lewis was
2: MVP even, it was, yep. even in 2000s. And then uh, Adrian Peterson won the MVP a- in 2012.
1: A- and Adrian Peterson was a generational type running back. He mm-hmm. was a once in a lifetime.
2: But when you look at this upcoming draft class, we realistically could have six uh wide receivers and maybe even four quarterbacks picked in round one and the receiver class they're talking about being generational like the
0: 83 quarterback Hmm. draft class was generational like these guys are just ridiculous and I think that uh, the value of the running back has started to diminish a little more because of the fact that these coaches are starting to get smarter, especially the offensive line coaches in their schemes. The schemes are starting to set apart and break open holes for the running backs to be able to go through. Hell, you and I could probably go out there and play but, running back for a couple plays.
1: But the, but the value of a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield, run, make plays, maybe miss behind the line of scrimmage and pass block. Those guys are becoming gold now. That's why you're seeing the guys like Zeke and Saquon taken so early in the first round. I think you're going to see some more players continue to to push that. And once you start seeing running backs making more money, which is already starting to happen with Gurley, you'll start seeing more young kids want to be that. Right now we're seeing the era of everybody trying to be the, the big quarterbacks and stuff. I think you might start seeing that change again to running backs Especially since they score a lot of touchdowns,
0: I'm not sure that's going to happen. To be honest with you, I still think that at the end of the day, uh, if you had two transcended talents, one being a left tackle, one being a running back, you're going to take the left tackle over the running back any day, and then go back in the third round and get the uh, running back. Right,
1: um, right now because offense is in vogue, but it'll, it'll it'll change around probably, maybe. I could be wrong.
0: Probably yeah, I, am. I think ever since the Trent Richardson year. Um, People have been very leery about taking a first round halfback. And it's it's been really hard for teams to justify that, especially seeing a uh, legally blind halfback out there trying to hit the holes. So uh, that's just my thoughts on where the halfback situation is in the NFL. Do they even call it halfback anymore? I mean, I, a halfback is one that plays running back and fullback. Yeah. And we really
2: haven't seen a lot of true halfbacks uh, since Mike Allstott. Mike Allstott
0: was a halfback. Mm-hmm. Mike Allstott up the gut. hmm Yes, and he was a great player. And I, I'm still the pissed off. True one. He's still not in the Hall of Fame. That pisses me off. He'll never get in the Hall no. of Fame. He he was really, really good. Don't tell me that. He, he was great. He
2: should but be. But he in wasn't the Hall of he fame. wasn't ever elite. And the stats don't back up him being in the Hall of Fame. Now, um, any like cut up video clips and stuff make him look
0: just insane.
1: His goal line carries.
0: Yes, he was amazing. He was one of the best fullbacks ever. I mean, besides yeah. like Lorenzo Neal and Vontae Leach, they were different fullbacks. So,
1: hey, launched the Vontae Leach one time. I have his cell phone number on my phone.
0: Humble brag. Yeah. Basically. Hey, I just love how you just throw out these things casually, like uh, just interrupt everybody to just
1: well, to I mean, a, It was a really shitty name drop, but still,
0: I'm going to try. Well, I've had Chris Carr on the podcast. So, fuck you. How about that? <laughs>
1: That's true.
0: <laughs> all right uh next topic that we got here um speaking of running backs let's let's stick I'll with show it you
1: some numbers i've got
0: all right I'll, I'll take a look at those but um i got macy's number how about that um frank gore is approaching 2019 as if it's not his last season in the nfl i'm calling bullshit first off uh, before i continue i think this is going to be his last season well now hold up he
2: Approaching it versus thinking it's his last season are two different things. Not approaching it like his last season means he's just approaching it like a normal NFL season, As any which is smart.
1: Ever approached a season like it's the last?
2: Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis did definitely. Not true. Okay. But you have some individuals where they say this is my last year, but very no matter few. what,
1: yeah, very few of them want to do that. But yeah,
2: and you know that some people may be preparing like it's their last year, but they aren't hundred percent sure mm-hmm. yet. He's just going into it with an open mind, and he's still playing at a very good level. So, uh, he shouldn't be preparing for it like it's his last.
1: But we kind of talked about this amongst ourselves earlier, and I believe you were saying, because CJ and I were both saying that he is a Hall of Famer or one of the best, but were you saying he wasn't, or weren't you saying he wasn't?
2: I think he'll end up in the Hall of Fame, but But I don't think at any point… In his career, he was ever considered like a top five running back. He's he's going to be a guy who gets in the Hall of Fame. Who's in the Hall of Very Good. Um, Just if you look at it objectively, um, when you hear that he's number four in the the NFL history for rushing yards, you're like, wait, what? It's kind of a shocker because you don't you don't really think about it. But he's also had longevity, and Mm -hmm. longevity makes a big big. Big difference when it comes to stats, which is why they don't always paint the full picture.
0: So he's had longevity. Uh the guy is has the opportunity to move into the number three slot of rushing yards of all time. Um, he's been to a Super Bowl. And who did he
1: who did he lose that to again? And he came into the league with knee injuries that he was told that, you know, he wasn't gonna make it, you know, past his first contract. Mm-hmm. But should we should we you know judge a player based on exceeding expectations?
0: Yeah, he just never exceeded the expectation of winning a Super Bowl because he lost to fuck who was it again? Nobody cares. Uh,
1: oh, the Baltimore Ravens, that's right. Pretty sure the power went out when the league didn't want cap to win.
0: No, I'm pretty sure the power went out because we were beating that ass so bad and they had to give him an opportunity to win, but they didn't get it and they, they lost ultimately. If there was another minute on that clock, though, it probably would have been a different story. But um, yeah, Frank Gore, opportunity of a lifetime to go into the number three position of all time with career rushing yards. I personally think he's going to be a Hall of Famer just based on that alone and the fact that he's been to a Super Bowl and the fact that he's been to the playoffs several times. Um He's done a lot of things in the NFL. He may not have uh, led the league in uh, rushing at any point or receiving or anything like that, but his overall body of work speaks to him being a Hall of Famer, in my
1: opinion. And I I agree with with Tyler that especially lately, he might not be considered one of the top running backs in the league, however – Tyler being slightly younger than me. I don't know if he really remembers the years when, when Frank Gore first came into the league and was destroying it. And then the fact that he still remained very, very good at a later year or in the later years of his career, I think that he's deserving of being one of the best, you know, by far running backs, you know, in the league. And um yeah, he's, he, he by far deserves anything and everything he gets.
2: No, I, I remember those years and he was really good coming out of college. But at the same time, I think I have a higher standard of the Hall of Fame than most people. I don't think mm. a lot of people that are in the Hall of Fame necessarily deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I agree
1: with you on because that. Because it
2: should be an elite company. I agree. And I don't think Frank Gore necessarily fits that elite company that we talk about. And I think, you know, even though there are 53 guys on the NFL roster – five get in a year, and then two legends. I think, okay, you're putting seven guys in a year. I don't think every single one of them deserves to be
0: in. Yeah, Um, there's uh, one in particular I'm thinking mm -hmm. of recently, speaking of the running back position, that I don't think should have went in just because of his uh, lack of longevity, and that would be uh, Terrell Davis. I think the one thing, the argument for Terrell Davis, even though he
2: didn't have longevity, he was an absolute monster
0: an elite running back. He had a 2,000 rushing yards season. Yep. I can't take anything away from him, but and he also didn't have the longevity that
2: four, he needed. He, what did he have? Four in years. He led the league, basically. Yeah, and basically five Elway, a full seasons, he ran for 8,500 yards hey. and like 70 touchdowns. He was a top two or three back for a very, for very distinct, distinct period of time, and he tore up the league. And I think that argument helps him get in the Hall of Fame. But it's also why he had to wait a little bit because he didn't have longevity.
1: Yeah. I, I agree that uh, the case for Frank Gore, I I I can I would 100% if I was completely and totally neutral and had no skin in the game or knew anything about it, Tyler could very easily convince me that Frank Gore shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. However, Terrell Davis, I do believe yet. Yeah, no, he didn't have the longevity. We know that. But he was so freaking amazing for the few years that he was there that it's it's hard, especially when the fact that he was on a great team with so many other players that did get a lot of touches, a lot of attention. And he still shone or shined, probably isn't really bad English, as bright as he did. He, yeah, he was, he's a guy that deserved it, even though you can make
0: the case against it. I just think it's bullshit that he got in before T.O. did, in my opinion.
1: Oh yeah, the T.O. thing, don't even start on that.
0: T.O. had to wait three
2: years to get in. Terrell Davis had to wait like 10 or 12. So if you're just going based on timeline,
0: that I don't think that's a fair comparison. I think it's a fair comparison based on the fact that T.O. should have won first year.
1: You can make the case against TD. You cannot make the case that T.O. does not belong in the Hall of Fame, credibly in my opinion. And I, uh, I'm a Cowboys fan. He played shame for that us. He didn't get in. And I fucking hated him when he did the whole star thing. But I cheered for him when he was a Cowboy. The very first real jersey I bought was for my daughter, the To jersey, uh, Cowboys. So I get that. But To was absolutely without a doubt should have been. You know the 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 moment he announced he was retiring, he should have been the Hall of Fame.
2: I, I'll say this. Um, I know exactly why T.O. didn't get in the Hall of Fame. I do too. T.O. didn't get in the Hall of Fame because there's only one. Rec- he didn't kiss me the ass. That, but there was also only one receiver to ever be a first ballot Hall of Famer until Randy Moss. And that was Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. And people didn't want to put anybody else on the same pedestal as Jerry Rice, which is why Chris Carter had to wait. And Chris Carter shouldn't have had to wait. No. Terrell Owens shouldn't have had to wait. Now, they're pu- they put Jerry Rice on this pedestal saying, like, he's the greatest of all time. I don't think anybody's going to argue with you on that, but that doesn't mean that these guys who are so deserving of the hall of fame don't get in first ballot. Agreed. Uh, that's just you being um, an elitist asshole. And I hate it.
1: And the fact that we're even talking about hall of Famer versus first ballot hall of famer shows that there is a difference and a distinction, even though they say it doesn't matter. You're a hall of famer. No, it does. And they have created a hall of fame In a first ballot Hall of Fame, they have essentially the voters have created two separate Hall of Fames, in my opinion. And they use their elitist bullshit to pick and choose who they want to be in which one.
2: Like Art Monk and Andre Reed had to wait multiple years to get in. Andre Reed was one of the best receivers in the late eighties, early nineties. He should have been uh, first, second, or third ballot. He had to wait like seven, eight Mm. years to get in. Uh, Like just stuff like that. um, people who vote on the Hall of Fame can really be elitist assholes with these yeah. kind of things. If you think a guy is a Hall of Famer, you put him in the Hall of Fame. It's mm-hmm. that simple. Now, if you want to argue like, okay, uh, do I want to put this guy in first ballot or this guy in like fifth ballot, but I think they both should get in. I I would listen to an argument saying you put the guy in who's on his fifth turn rather than mm-hmm. his first turn. Exactly. I can understand that. That makes some sense. But – I don't want to put this guy as a first ballot Hall of Famer because he didn't kiss my ass or we don't want to put anybody in the same level as Jerry Rice. You're an elitist asshole and it I don't think matter. there's
0: any other way to put it. And also what I'm hearing a lot of is uh, people were bringing up the fact that he wasn't exactly the best teammate in the world, but this is an individual accomplishment and that shouldn't really be weighed as much as people are putting that onto paper.
1: How many teammates really spoke out against him anyways?
0: They didn't, but
2: we also have to remember that – Hugh Douglas? Even though McNabb. this is
1: – Well, he spoke out against McNabb. I don't know if McNabb spoke out against him. Oh, he has. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We also have to remember, even though this is the ultimate individual accomplishment, football is the ultimate team sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that does make a difference, and it should be taken into consideration with the Hall of Fame.
0: I'm not sure it should mm-hmm. be heavily weighed, though, as opposed to you know like his individual scores, if it's an individual trait, though. I, that's just my opinion on it, but, um, Owens Owens definitely deserved to be in the hall of fame before Terrell, uh, Davis in my opinion. Yeah. Well, th- but
2: Terrell Davis was also eligible in 2008 and Terrell Owens was eligible in 2016. Like that's different. And I think we have to understand that justification. So if Terrell Owens, I think he went in what, 2015 mm-hmm. TO wasn't even eligible. So I don't think that's a fair comparison
1: and in 50 years 20 years nobody's going to know who is first ballot versus 10th ballot anyways they don't, they don't make that distinction on the bust or on the plaques so even though we make that distinction in the current time do they not make a distinction for first ballot no they don't okay i know that for i've, I've looked it up and i feel like that might be something tell that they who's put the first ballot in the in the past okay i'm
0: just looking up right now 2017 pro football Hall of Fame class. I want to take a look at that. Let's see here. We had Morton Anderson, a uh, kicker. Deserved. Um, mm-hmm. Ken Easley, safety. Um, Gerald Jones, uh, Jason Taylor, Terrell Davis, Daniel Tomlinson, and Kurt Warner. So we had two running backs go in and no wide receivers. Amazing.
1: That was when the log jam of wide receivers was there. Or no, we just we cleared it up. Because now Reed, Tim Brown, Ryzen, all those guys are in now.
2: Ryzen is never going to be Ryzen would be um, a top five pick based on pure talent alone, but his uh, character never helped him reach it.
1: I was thinking Reed then. Uh, uh, Who's in?
2: Um, The logjam of wide receivers has been uh, greatly diminished. Um, Tim Brown. When you look at that list, like is never going to get a lot of love because none of us saw him play. He played before our time.
1: And he played for the Seahawks back in the day when nobody they were kind of irrelevant. Nobody paid attention yeah. to him.
2: Jim Zorn and Steve Largent yeah. and the OG Kurt Warner. Um, with a C, by the way. Uh, the, but of all those guys that got in, the only one I think you, I would really argue against is, you know, um, you can maybe argue against Jerry Jones. Uh, I don't think you'd have a very strong argument uh, what he's been able to do for the game. Uh, especially in regards to uh, what they've done with TV deals Mm -hmm. and national publicity and marketing, I think has been Jerry's uh, been great for business. He's been phenomenal for business. And I think that contribution to the game has made a massive difference, which is why I think you should be in the hall. Um, The other one is Jason Taylor. Jason Taylor was, is one of those guys I think you could argue being in the hall. Hall Very good. And he, he had a really good career, a long career, but I I don't ever remember like a team facing the Dolphins and then being really scared of Jason Taylor, uh, like they're scared of Aaron Donald, they're scared of Khalil Mack, they're scared of LT. Jason Taylor was a really good player, but I don't remember ever having that kind of fear that I'm worried that Jason Taylor is going to take over a game and beat my football team.
1: I remember thinking when it came out because he was. Married to Zach Thomas, his middle linebacker teammate's sister, mm-hmm. and I believe he cheated on her in a really public, divorced, nasty spat. And I remember thinking, "Oh shit, that's really going to hurt his chances getting into the Hall of Fame." That he had this huge, or this really nasty personal thing going on. And I think that just backs up your point of he's a Hall of Very Good because. That kind of shit shouldn't come into the play at all, but he was known as being such a good guy and an all around a good dude, great guy that that kind of thing really marred him in a lot of people's eyes. Uh,
0: If anybody on this list, I think could have possibly waited a year or two of just in the the possibility of putting Terrell Owens in first ballot. I think it would be LaDania Tomlinson. I mean, I love LT, and I think he's a great running back, and he had a great career, but I would put T.O. in first before him. I wouldn't. Um, I think
1: LT and T.O. are on the same same platform. Maybe I'm biased as Texas, TCU, and LT, but I think they belong on the same I, level.
2: I, I think you phrase it better than I was going to initially. I wouldn't argue to put either one of them over each other. I'd put them on the same level. And this goes back to the – Uh, point that i made earlier where if you think a guy's a hall of famer you just put him in yeah and i don't think there's any doubt that ladini thomason is a hall of famer he had an impact on the game very similar to marshall falk um the, the guy caught like 80 balls out of the backfield. Yep. He broke the touchdown record. Amazing. He was the first guy to revolutionize the jump cut in the hole. Um, his impact on the game, his longevity, and what he was able to do from the running back position with his vision, his hands, his route running. Uh, mm-hmm. He should have easily, in my opinion, been a first ballot kind of guy where he, in, like saying first ballot I means there is absolutely zero doubt that you deserve to be in the hall of yeah. fame.
0: I agree. Um, 100
1: drunks in a bar. Every one of them says you're a Hall of Famer. And I don't think you can make that argument with, with LT.
0: 100 drunks in a bar and all of them are trying to hit on a hot lesbians. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. You that know it. Reality. Yeah, that was awesome. I had a great time last night. I don't even know the name of that bar. I don't, I'm probably never going to remember it again.
1: The Happiest Hour.
0: The happiest Hour. Yeah. That, that's a good name for a bar. I'll give him that. It really is. I had a happy hour. I know that much. It's pretty it, fun, it, it was fun talking wrestling and
2: talking with those girls, they were very nice.
0: So, I uh, just want to take this opportunity to bring up. Um, I, I've been doing this past couple of weeks. The New York Giants selected uh, Daniel Jones, number six overall. Just wanted to bring that up again and just let that settle in and marinate. I cannot wait for Daniel Jones to tear
2: the, the NFL up. <coughs> I can't, Daniel Danger
1: Zone Jones. <laughs> I can't wait until he starts week one or three because he will be.
0: Oh, God. You know what? It's, it's like saying Joe Flacco was going to tear up the league when he first came in. We both know that wasn't going to happen. And I know for a fact that it, it was never going to happen. I don't think he's going to do very well in uh, in Denver. I think he's going to do pretty decent in my 4,000-yard season, but uh, he's not elite. Damn. Uh, Daniel Jones is the kind of guy
2: where – he doesn't have anything that just jumps off the charts as far as athleticism, as far as arm strength. But the guy's incredibly intelligent. He can make all the throws. Uh, and I think down the line, I think we're going to be able to see him as a guy who could be a top 10 quarterback. In oh the my God. As a Cowboys
1: fan, I, I hope not.
2: Hey, I'm not calling him elite. I'm not calling him a Hall of Famer. I'm not even calling him a Pro Bowler. I'm not even calling him good. I think he is good. I don't think he's great, and I think he has an opportunity to be good. And I'm excited to see it.
1: He was going to get drafted no matter what, so he's good.
2: If you look at yeah, a lot of a people's big boards, good. like Daniel Jones was appearing anywhere from like 25 to 75, yeah. which would put him anywhere from a late first to a um, early to mid third round pick. And quarterbacks always get pushed up because they're of, overdrafted,
1: um, especially with the uh, fifth year option.
2: Yep. And they're always pushed up because of uh value and value. Yeah. Um so just based on pure talent, I understand.
1: Mm-hmm. But I don't. Three types of teams in this league. Ones that have franchise quarterbacks, ones that don't have them, and ones that are evaluating them.
2: Mhm. And look, Oh, right and then down there's down a fourth two. time team, ones that have uh have delusions that they have a franchise quarterback but they really don't.
1: Yeah, but it's not brand the Ravens. <laughs>
2: I like Lamar Jackson. And I think, I I I think he just can kidding. take a
0: big step. I was actually taking a shot at uh, Kirk Cousins. I was taking a shot at CJ. Uh, I'm taking a shot at your yeah. goddamn starting quarterback who's probably not going to get paid and is going to be a backup uh, somewhere.
1: That, that, that Prescott what, winning record playoffs two out of three years better than LJ or Kirk Cousins. So fuck y'all.
2: I don't know if he's better than LJ. I don't know if necessarily he's better than Kirk Cousins, but they're on the same level. They're they're right at that you really slightly you above that. average NFL quarterback, which is pretty good. Um, they can both make elite throws. Mm-hmm. They, can, they both have good decision making, but on an overall scale, they're inconsistent, and that's what they need to fix. If they can fix those things, they can both be top five, top 10 NFL quarterbacks.
0: Hey, Lamar Jackson is the best running back. I mean, quarterback in the NFL right now.
1: My promise with Dak is that big moments don't bother him, so I think he'll be able to overcome things and be able to 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 shine big
0: moments. And that, I'm not trying to shit on Kirk Cousins right now, but big moments bother him. He has an issue when it comes to the lights.
1: I don't know if it's that. I think there's something else too. I don't. I don't. I, I just. I don't. I don't know if a bigger game a bigger game makes it harder to perform in in my job. It doesn't matter whether or not I'm doing a software demo, which is not the same thing for a small deal or a large deal. It's the same amount of pressure. So yeah, I I just don't know if there, if that's it or if it just happens to be that he appears to be bad or they, they appear to be bad in primetime games.
2: And we also have to remember this is the ultimate team sport. The quarterback's going to get too much credit. They're also going to get too much blame. Absolutely. And it just—I uh, remember seeing a stat where they—they they were comparing uh, the first thirty games quarterbacks played against winning teams. Um, Drew Brees was like six of twenty-four. Rogers and Kirk Cousins were both four and twenty-six. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think you can really read too much into it. Yeah. Uh, because the whole team has to play well. And one thing to also remember about being under the brightest lights, you're playing against the best teams because they make the better matchups, which means you're going to want to put them in a higher um, prize slot. Agreed. Unless it's Thursday night football, then yep. everybody Thursday has to fucking f- play. Yep. Thursday night football is an exception, it's but they usually job. try to get good games. The Vikings played at, on the road against the Rams.
1: They try. They just end up scheduling bad team. They don't realize when they do it. Mm-hmm.
2: It's It's a fairness thing. Yeah. They want everybody to to play a Thursday game, have that short week, because if everybody does it once, it's harder to complain about it.
0: Agreed. Speaking of backup quarterbacks that are not going to go anywhere. um want to uh, go ahead and transition into uh, Titans head coach Mike Vrabel speaking on uh, Ryan Tannehill, reiterating that the man is the backup to Marcus Mariota. Thoughts on that? Should there be a competition? Should it uh, remain the way it is? Is he full of shit? What's going on? No competition. If you have a competition,
2: it's um, it's a very, very bad look for your football team. It shows that you don't have confidence in a guy that you picked number two overall four years ago. I don't. And if, if you believe that he can be, the guy you make him the guy and you don't have a competition the second you open up a competition it's bad for the locker room it's bad for the players it's bad for the coaching staff Uh, you want to have consistency and continuity and if you think tannehill's the guy you sign him to be the guy they signed him to be the backup and unless marcus Mariota just absolutely shits the bed the first few weeks of the year there should be zero talk of tannehill taking over
1: one hundred percent because of what Tyler said towards the end of that, especially, you divide the locker room. no matter what, if you make it any kind of competition at all, you're gonna split the locker room. You're gonna divide it completely and that's gonna cause dysfunction. That's gonna come out in practice in games everywhere and your season's over before it even
0: began i just think it was a really i wouldn't have made the move to get Tannehill. Uh, i think it was an expensive move in my opinion uh, especially for a backup quarterback but at the same time i don't think that he is at the level of being a starter and that's why i don't think there should be a competition
2: i i think uh one that the titans are not paying him that much because mm-hmm. the Dolphins did eat a decent amount of that contract, they did, but mm-hmm. still, I think the amount is still uh, pretty high the, for a backup. The amount quarterback. is, I think, he's getting uh, seven million for be a backup quarterback, which is what a top level backup quarterback is getting in the NFL, especially when your starters on a rookie contract.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I mean, we're not talking necessarily full rookie contract anymore because he's getting twenty million this year. Yeah, and he's on the year. Uh, True,
1: but twenty million is not shit for a quarterback.
2: No, it is, it is still a good deal for a quarterback, but uh, it's like Bortles money. No, yeah, backup exactly. quarterback, get a really good one, getting seven million dollars is not an unfair deal mm-hmm. in
0: today's NFL. No, so uh, wow, we've been talking for an hour. Um, I the Titans gave up a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick for Tannehill and a sixth round pick. That was uh, not that Bad, really.
1: Tannehill's not that bad, especially in spot duty when you have a quarterback like Mariota, who has shown the inability to avoid the big hit and stay healthy. That's
2: not a bad investment. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I still would have found a cheaper and better backup quarterback. Where are you
2: going to find a better one? honest question where are you going to find a better one because i think Tannehill right now is the best backup in the nfl
1: and how close were the tides last year but Marietta was hurt
2: yeah
0: uh, a, a good backup quarterback probably wins in the division. During this the playoffs, this may segue into the, uh, in the, the the next item that I have here very well because this guy seems to think that he's a super uh, he's a uh, future Super Bowl MVP and he is currently the backup of the Green Bay Packers and that's Deshaun Kaiser. Thoughts on his uh, statement that he could be a future Super Bowl MVP? He Who? should think that way. Mm-hmm. He isn't, but he should Who? think that way. Who? Oh, you know that guy. The De, Deshaun Deshaun Watson? No, Deshaun Kaiser. You know, the one who won 0-16 with the uh hmm. <laughs> with the Browns.
1: No, no, I I guess I don't know.
0: Mm. He's uh currently serving under uh Aaron Rodgers as the backup, you know. He's
1: he'll probably continue to ride the bench as the backup. And as Tyler said, he should have all the confidence in the world wherever whoever the fuck this guy is, to uh to think that because I also think that my four times surgically reconstructed right shoulder can lead me to an NFL championship too. I'm
0: delusional as well. <laughs> just do, do you do you want to shit on him anymore right now? Or he, it's just kind of like me with uh who the hell he's, is Freddie Kitchens?
1: He's the backup to Aaron Rodgers. Who the fuck is he?
0: He's a former NFL starter. Okay. Yeah, he was he was good enough to lead the Browns to no wins. So is Quincy Carter.
1: Jared Lorenzen started, maybe not. Rest in peace. Yeah, sorry, I really liked
0: him. I didn't have a problem with him. He was a pretty big guy, though.
1: He was. I remember him. Hey, I went to Arkansas. I was, I actually was at the University of Arkansas. I think when
2: he played. Hmm. Yeah, that's that sounds about the right time frame. I'm pretty sure I was. Say he when he passed away, he was 38. So you I'm 36, you would, have, you would have been like so, a freshman or sophomore yeah. and would have been able to watch him play against
1: Arkansas. I, I was positive I, I did.
0: That's all I have for today, guys. You guys want to uh, sign off with anything? You want to talk about any more topics?
1: I'm pretty good. I think I'm good to mix another drink and take a little walk to play some Pokemon Go.
0: And then uh, it's, I think it might be in and out time or maybe save that for tomorrow or what do you in want that? to do? In and out
2: tonight, New Japan fucking rules. Okay. If they're ever anywhere near you, go to the show. It, it was, was a good time. And these guys have never really watched New Japan and just as wrestling fans, they had a great time.
1: Really, really enjoyed it. And
2: yes. it's just, it's a great product, great passion behind it, very passionate fans. I thought the roof was going to come off the building when Okada Tanahashi was starting. And there's 5,000 people in a 20,000 seat venue. Um, highly recommend go see the show agreed it's highly recommend kissing somebody's ass if you can get sweets the sweet definitely helped hey what can i say i know people
0: yeah i would have been fine sitting like last or upper deck i I I wouldn't care it was an awesome event i had a great time and just looking at the uh the stage was uh didn't have a tron or anything like that but uh They didn't have any promos, but it was great wrestling. It was great overall performances. Um, Okada came out and gave his presentation at the end, and he was uh, very humble and very thankful to the crowd. And I enjoyed every match on that card.
1: Great storytelling.
0: Yes. Just wish there were some promos.
2: Hey, you know, we're uh, so conditioned as American wrestling fans to Mm -hmm. expect um, an entertainment (laughs) a uh, presentation and not a sports presentation this is sport yeah. and that like that's how they want it to come off and then that's how they it does come off
1: it comes off as legit competition mm-hmm. it's
2: and a strong style and when yeah. you have back to back to back to back matches the, the action is just really good and they tell stories in it and they have uh stuff after the matches especially with those tags before um next week's uh, Uh, g1 uh matches on saturday uh those tags you know they build those up and like those interactions help make those
0: matches even better all right guys with that said uh if you are ever able to go to a new japan pro wrestling event please go if you're ever in the dallas fort worth area please go to whataburger and And hit uh, me up and, and hit up uh the recliner qb and he'll uh it'll be very hospitable to you. Um, I cannot thank you enough Bobby for letting us stay in your house. I uh, really appreciate the past couple of days. It's not your fault that my luggage got lost. I'm sorry if I've been any moopy or anything like that, but my medication was in that bag. And, uh, well, we got you some new medication. It's called In and Out. Yeah, I, let's let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to go ahead and shower because I'm offending myself. And uh, <laughs> with that said, factors, thank you very much for listening this week, and uh, we'll return next week and uh, probably have another guest as well. So uh, enjoy this, and thank you very much. Peace.